Welcome to the PRISM Podcast. PRISM North America is a K-12 school system committed to building a sanctuary for children and families in North America. PRISM is a Northgate school, and this is our podcast. Good morning, my name is Misty Newcomb. I'm the superintendent of PRISM North America, and this is our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the long-term impact of COVID-19. We're gonna be looking at this not just, and not even mainly from the standpoint of students enrolled at PRISM, but how COVID-19 has and will continue to impact families and society at large. To do this, I have two very special guests joining me for this podcast. First, I wanna introduce Dr. Jason Lofton. Jason, can you say hi? Howdy. So Jason is no stranger to the PRISM podcast. Uh, He's a general practitioner in Southern Arkansas, and he has come onto this podcast. I think this is your third time. Is that right, Jason? I think so. Okay. I've been, been, yeah. Okay. And you, you serve as this, you're a general practitioner, but you also serve as a Sevier County health officer. And in that role, you've had to help your whole community navigate COVID-19. Yeah. Yeah. We just, you know, that's something that um, is a pointed position that didn't mean anything until COVID hit. And and all of a sudden we, we have a, at least a, a, a role to be a, a liaison and a point person. So, yeah, uh, I won't even ask if you would have taken it on. Um, if, <laughs> if you'd have known, but I think you're the right man for the job. I'm well, glad you did. It. Yeah. I think you've done a really great job. You've been super helpful to me. Um, I've also got Christy Spillmaker. Christy, say hi. Hello. Hello. So Christy represents kind of a new spin on COVID-19 and the PRISM, uh, if you will, coverage of COVID-19. She works in retail logistics. She has worked in global logistics for years and focuses now on seasonal retail supply issues. So Christy should have some very interesting information to share with us if you've been paying attention whatsoever to, to the news. And so one of the things we want to cover is just, you know, we're at the end of 2021 and this is ne- this is. I guess our second year in the, it's our third school year, but our second calendar year inside of the pandemic, we're about to start a third year inside of a pandemic. And, and there've been a lot of developments since the last time we spoke, Jason, I think you were on here last in January when vaccines were just becoming available for people. And so there've been a lot of developments. We've also had the Delta variant, and then we've seen some side effects of COVID that have nothing to do with public health. Um, or at least not not on face value with uh, labor shortages and supply chain issues. And so what we want to talk about today is just where where do we see this thing headed? So Jason, why don't we just start with you? Let's look at this from a public health perspective. Where have we been and where are we going with COVID-19? Yeah, so currently, um, you know, just look at numbers, U.S., there's our seven-day average on new cases is uh, 70, around 74,000. You know, those numbers vary depending on what source you're looking at. And uh, average deaths on seven day average is 12, about 1200 right now. Our peak number of new cases was on January 7th. And that at, on that day, we had about 258,000 new cases in the U S wow. so you can see we're down significantly from where we were. Mm-hmm. So right now, um, we're about 28 to 29% of the peak that we had back in January. I think globally there have been, um, 252 million cases worldwide and just over 5 million deaths worldwide. Um, in, in the U.S., we've had 759,000 deaths and uh, 46.8 million cases. Um, so, um, 
you know, if, if you went, I just did some statistics. If you went on the current seven day average, which will probably increase with winter coming, it would take us 192 days to get the 1 million deaths in the U S but I bet we get there uh, sooner than 192 days. Wow. Um, so we're, we're, um, you know, we've hit our third, you know, third wave, um, some say fourth, but that there's probably another wave coming with, with, we're seeing that in states. So the states that are most vaccinated right now are actually seeing some new waves and primarily because they, they're up north or they're out west where it's colder and they're getting, uh, people are going indoors and we expect that to, to increase a little bit. Um, I, I'd seen where, um, like say in the UK, Austria, Germany, they're starting to see some waves and sometimes we're seeing those waves hit in Europe and then we'll get them a few weeks uh, to a month later. So Austria just uh, had a, uh, announced a lockdown for all unvaccinated adults. And then uh, Germany is seeing their primary um, unvaccinated people in their fourth wave. And they're seeing about 50,000 cases a day. And that's a quite a bit smaller country uh, mm. population wise in the U S mm. um, and they're off. They just started offering free testing to all adults in the, the whole country. And then, um, uh, you know, I think locally Vermont has one of the highest vaccinated uh, states in the country. They have 72% of their um, uh, residents vaccinated, which is pretty high. But they are having also, uh, they're the 12th highest uh, new cases right now in the U.S. And so we're, that's not uncommon seeing these states that are highly vaccinated also seeing that. But they all have something in common and they live more in cold weather uh, states. And so we're going to, I think, see that that's starting to be a trend across the country as, as we move indoors with cooler weather. So let me ask you a couple, a couple questions. Um, so it, there was, it peaked January 7th. I, boy, I actually remember these days. Uh, <laughs> it was, it, it was intense in those days, uh, watching the numbers roll in even here in Arkansas. And that was winter. It was, there were no vaccines available. There were, uh, Christmas time, all of those things kind of confluenced into one thing. And then shortly after that, we hit this big decline around April, May, June. Mm -hmm. And then in Arkansas and many of the states that we have schools in, we saw this big surge with the Delta variant. Right. That surge never went as high as right. the January surge. I mean, I mean, right. like a, about a third less. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm making that statistic up based off of what it looks like on a chart, but mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> significantly less. But what I'm also noticing is that as we're coming down, we still are not as low as we were in April, May, Correct. June of last year. So the, the drop down is not as, as low either. And so, right. um, what, what does that say to you? Well, so one, you know, one, I'll say the peak, if you, the, the actual vaccination started right before the, about the week or two before Christmas. So okay. uh, healthcare workers were the first to get vaccinated Right. Okay. that started. And so it takes about, uh, you know, to get fully vaccinated, you know, they had to wait with the Pfizer vaccine 21 days and you can, you can really see a correlation of when vaccines started, we peaked and then vaccines started being given, administered in our, and we dropped. And so vaccines do work, you know, um, and we'll talk about vaccines here in a little bit. Um, and, and some, some of the arguments people have about that. But, you know, when the Delta hit, um, it was more contagious and than, than what we'd previously seen with the, with the original COVID. And so we're, that's why we saw that other peak. But because we had vaccinations and we had some people had already had COVID and didn't die and they were immune because of natural immunity. So it, it's never, it was never going to hit that 
peak again because we had so much, um, res- you know, we had so much protection from either vaccines or some natural immunity from people who had just had COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because what over ninety percent of the people who get COVID are, are not either going to have hospitalization or death, and so, um, but. At the same time, a lot of people that if you think that January 9th peak when natural immunity, we believe, lasts at least six months, maybe a little longer, those people who are unvaccinated who had that peak, um, con, you know, peak infection are now probably getting into their uh, their their unprotected state, you could say. And so as we move indoors, we're going to see some reinfections um, and maybe people who got the original vaccine who haven't got a third shot right. are so losing some immunity. Let's talk about that because um, I was listening to a podcast this morning um, and they were talking about Israel being about two months ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of take some trends from mm-hmm. what's going on there because they were really quick to get people vaccinated. And and what they're seeing is a loss of immunity. So tell me a little bit about the booster shots, what that looks like, and then also vaccines for kids. Where yeah. where are we at with all of those things? Okay. And yeah, start just with some numbers in the U.S. 68% of the U.S. has at least um, one vaccine vaccine and 59%, at least of adults, are fully vaccinated. Um, In Arkansas, those numbers are a little lower. Uh, 58% have one shot, 48% fully vaccinated. And of course, that varies from county to county. Right. Um, You know, we have three vaccines right now available in the U.S. You have the Pfizer vaccine. Johnson, Johnson, and Moderna. The um, Pfizer and Moderna have been two shots. Now have a third shot available. And I, I've said all along, Johnson, Johnson was going to become a second shot because their numbers just didn't add up. Yeah. To, and, and it is now. Um, we can, kids five and up now can get a, a, a shot. And so Pfizer is the only one approved for that. Moderna, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised they have not been approved because the majority of uh, the world... <laughs> has approved the Moderna shot for kids at least 12 and up. Um, the, the CDC just wants to see, um, or the F, you know, FDA wanted to see a little bit more data from that. Okay. So, so, you know, so one for kids, um, you know, th- there's a different <clears throat> dose level for five to 11 and then from 12 to 17 and for adults and Pfizer has sent out different colored files so that pharmacies or providers could uh, make sure they're getting the right one. Um, the, the, you know, there is a small side effect with uh, myocarditis, which is mm-hmm. an inflammation of the lining of the heart or pericarditis with these vaccines. Um, primarily it's in men younger than 30. And so one of the holdups for Moderna has been that their, their um, vaccine numbers for, for for myocarditis, their their numbers were thirteen point three percent or thirteen point three out of hundred thousand, compared to Johnson Johnson or Pfizer's was uh, two point seven. But so those are cases of myocarditis. Right. Um, but if you look at some of the, the data that Moderna's, um, the in, I guess their their cases were more mild okay. than what they would be with Johnson Johnson or Pfizer. Majority of the people recover that have that. So interesting. So that that is the main side effect people talk about. It, yeah. It, and majority recover without any side of with any long lasting problems. But um, so 
Is that a so, side effect of COVID as well? For- yes. It, yeah. So good. That's the next point is it is a side effect of COVID as well. And there's a higher incidence inside of COVID than there is with the vaccine. Okay. Christy, I want to talk to you about something. I get why there's public health, right? There's, there's public health. It's easy to understand why hospitals, congregate settings, schools, things like that are impacted by COVID at this point, because it's still having these surges and recoveries and surges and recoveries. Yep. Um, why does milk cost more? Why is that? <laughs> why, is, why is my vanilla threatened for, yeah. for school? Or Thanksgiving, for pumpkin pies, everything's yeah. going to be different. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's so interesting when COVID hits and everything that we've seen touched by it, but supply chain really is, is one that's been massively impacted. And what's so interesting is that none of this, ha- you know, like we saw COVID hit in a day, right? Almost right. in yeah, very it short. Felt like it did. Yeah. It felt like a day. Um, but then like the, the impacts that we see have been, uh, in development for years, right? So if you think about supply chain and, um, you know, years ago, and and if you're a, a student of anything, you've heard of the Toyota production model, you've heard of like how we get really efficient. And so that production model made its way into supply chain. And we had this, this um, concept called just in time, meaning um, I want to get my product right at the time that I need it and not before and not after. And so what that created back in the 80s and 90s is this supply chain that's constantly moving. It has to be in motion. And if it gets out of motion, then um, it's it, it doesn't work. And so um, you've got a supply chain that's moving pre-COVID. And then all of the things that we just talked about with um, people being infected, it impacted jobs, it impacted, you know, we, we shut down the economy by everyone staying home. We, you know, we did all these things. And what that did was it started stopping different aspects of the supply chain. So think about a factory that's making, you know, a production operation that makes the vanilla that you're talking about. And we shut it down and then we kicked it back on. But when we kicked it back on, we um, didn't have the right amount of people because there were impacts. You had childcare, people couldn't show up at work. And I mean, all the different reasons, right, Misty? But um, when you start, stop the supply chain, you start impacting it. So you impacted in factories and production, you impacted in global shipping. So I end up with all of this product that I need and I can't get. And then when I finally get it, I don't have a truck to pick it up from the port or Um, I end up with ordering a whole bunch because I'm afraid I'm not going to get it. And then it ends up sitting on my warehouse yard and it doesn't go anywhere. Does that make sense? Like, so companies are dealing with that. Um, and, and you've got driver shortages. So if I get, so if a, if a company orders product from Asia, gets it here to the U S gets it in a, in a yard where they can go pick it up, but then there are truck drivers and we've had years of driver shortages because it's an aging workforce and it's not being backfilled to the degree that people are retiring. And so then you end up with, I, I, it's really hard for me to get a driver to go pick it up. What's the answer that we're all that, that across the board, we're trying to pay people more to do these, this work. So not only am I impacted by the chain not functioning to the degree that we normally have it function, but then costs to make it function 
are going up, okay. which is going to impact the price of products in a, in a yeah. store. And so that's what, that's what you're hearing. And that's what you're seeing is that it's just a, uh, everything that we're doing right now is costing more. And so then the consumer, those of us who go, go to the store to get our milk are saying, wait, this is a couple dollars more than it's been for, for the last yeah. year or so. Does that make you know, sense? Oh yeah. You, I'm an, I'm a total nerd in the day that all of this happened. <laughs> I took a picture of what a gallon of milk cost and it is double that now at the Walmart anyway, uh, the Walmart milk. So a dollar 54 was what it cost. And Jason has already informed me that he's a little bit upset about this, yeah. uh, because apparently Walmart milk costs more where he's from. So it's three eighty nine a gallon for Walmart milk and the Highland milk's five twenty eight a gallon. Okay. So ours was a dollar 54 because Northwest Arkansas apparently has the monopoly on cheap milk. In, in the United States and it was a dollar fifty four on the day and now it's about three dollars. It 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 goes like two ninety eight to there's like a five cent variation that I've seen, but five to ten cents. But I mean And for a lot yeah. of the pandemic there have been restrictions on raising prices. So if you look, the the federal government enacted some restrictions to make sure that people aren't taking advantage of the situation. Um, so what you do know is when, is oftentimes when you see those price increases, it's not because in, in these scenarios to the consumer, me as a customer walking in and buying, it's not just because someone's trying to take advantage of the situation. Oftentimes there's regulations that just say, Hey, it is literally costing more to get this product to the store. That it's is a, not the case in every industry, Misty. Right. Some like shipping companies are making money hand over fist right now. <laughs> um, so it's it's uh, it's not the story in every industry, but but hopefully uh, the consumer is as protected as possible from gouging. But we are all together going to be paying for the More. increase in the cost to move product. Yeah. And and I just kind of want to summarize too. The cause of that is that there's basically like like four, maybe more than this, but I heard you list about four categories, the factory, the drivers, the, and at each of these categories, we're having problems. Right. And we've had problems for over a year. And it's kind of like when you go to a gym, um, back in, in the day, we would go to a gym and we would turn on the lights right before in the morning when you'd get there at our basketball gym in high school and they would turn on, but you wouldn't see, you would hear this buzzing Uh and you would know, okay, the light's on, but it just took a while for it to come back on. And it just took some extra power. And it sounds like that's sort of how the factories work. It just takes a minute for them to come back on, but there's not just the factories, there's multiple different nodes or points in the system that are having these, these problems. And so it's not just that this one is taking a minute to get the light back on, but when they get their lights back on, yes. then they take it to the next one. And then that one is like, wait a second, we're not quite ready because our lights aren't on right now. Yeah, and they were on industry, while you were off. Right. Every <laughs> industry is able to absorb an, a, 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 some variation, right? Yeah. Some variables. But when you have variables and disruption at every node, Mm-hmm. then you're just, you're constantly, it's like, it's like when you're riding your bike and the chain slips and you're like, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you know what I mean? And yeah. you're like, you're locked up. You got to go fix the chain. Just think about that's happening with multiple gears, multiple chains. And it's just, it's clunky now. Um, it's just not flowing like it was before. Okay. 
And then, so, so what they're saying on the news is true. We're, we're in for a while of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, you can sensationalize it, right? There's, and it doesn't apply to everything. One of the, one of the interesting things I'm hearing right now is that, is that like turkeys, you know, people are buying turkeys way ahead of Thanksgiving. It used to be that you bought turkeys like the week of Thanksgiving. And now yeah. people are buying them late October. <laughs> you know what I mean, like they're buying them like, if I see it in the store, I get it. And I get two because what if I can't get it later? And so we're in some ways, there's truth about what we're seeing in the supply chain. We're also like making the problem worse when we panic buy because of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, no, it does make sense. It does there's make some, sense. We got to be wise about like, hey, let me make a decision that's, it's good for my family, but good for my friends world. Mm -hmm. and the world as well. Like, let's let's be yeah. smart yeah. about how we engage what's happening. Let's live by a set of values and not just by <laughs> yeah. It seems it seems like that just works everywhere in every system. If you'll do that, well, Jason, um, what do you think? Do you think that we're going to see an end to to this? Where we does it end? <laughs> um, you know, it's a good question from a virus standpoint. Um, you know, I was reading, yeah, mo a lot of people think it's going to become endemic. I mean, and mm -hmm. it, it's not widespread high peaks, but it's just kind of, just kind of always there lurking. Um, kind of like the flu yeah. is endemic and we'll have pandemics of flu when you have certain, um, mutations that, that allow it to just have these huge surges. So, you know, it, it, some people might have thought that about, um, you know, the Spanish flu of, of 1918. Yeah. It went away, you know. So, you know, I, I people ask me, well, why did that go away? And I said, well, you know, a bunch of people died and a bunch of people survived. And, and the world was not global at the time, so it couldn't continue spreading. And so I, I think it's here for a while at least. Um, because the thing we're not talking at all about because of, of just who our audience is, is the fact that in other countries, vaccines are still not widely available. And right. until that gets resolved, I mean, that's to me, that's the unsung story in at least our region right. um, is that we're not talking about if we want this to go away, we're going to have to be just a little more selfless about right. the distribution and selling of vaccines because there are people all over the world who still don't have access to it. It's, and it's kind of hard. Uh, you know, we're part of a network of schools that is global in nature and hearing the the challenges that they're going through because of a lack of access to right. to vaccines. And we just can't, the, the world's too global. We cannot prevent this from spreading unless you know, that's so, resolved. Yeah. So just the statistics on that, like fewer than 6% of people in low-income countries have been vaccinated right now. Gracious. And so that's, really low numbers and you know travel is opening up um mm -hmm. and so it's going to allow people to travel here to the u.s you know our borders just opened up to a lot of countries um maybe I, i'd have to not, see not to all but yeah but yeah to a mm -hmm. lot so some people though can potentially travel here get covid take it back to their country mm -hmm. or their village mm -hmm. and it's spread and yeah. so um it, it, it's not as much a threat to us in the u.s as it is maybe to some of these these people. Yeah. Um, and that's, and but that is how variants would form, right? 
I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So you might take a Delta variant somewhere else and it becomes a Lambda, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so on. And, and then it returns back here and mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole new variant that our vaccines may not work against. Right. So we're talking about another big search. That's yeah. potential. Will that happen? I don't know. You know, because yeah. we have, we have new vaccines that aren't even, there's right now, uh, you know, some people uh, don't want the mRNA or the viral vector vac vaccines, but there's some protein uh, vaccines being made. Novavax is one, uh, and then Sanofi and GSK have one in phase three. But uh, there's actually over 50 total worldwide protein vaccines in trials right now. Mm -hmm. They're inherently slower to make, and so that's um, that's why they're not out yet. It's not not a problem with them. They're just they're just it's just yeah. a slower process, and so. Um, maybe some people that wouldn't take the mRNA or their viral vector would take those. And then we've just got these pills that have been announced that are being released that will have shown to either half or maybe a, over um, one, one pill from Pfizer said they'll cut hospitalizations by 89%. Yeah. So if it's a pill. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are new. And I know the um, UK just approved the uh, Merck pill um, that they were taking part in what's called the medicines patent pool, which allows low income manuf so manufacturers from low income countries to take that drug, uh, you could say recipe and make it without having to buy it straight from Merck at a higher price. And so, um, I know Pfizer, it says was in discussions with that. So if both of them make their pills available to this, uh, medicines patent pool, it will allow these, um, manufacturers in smaller countries, to make this and have it available. And there's a lot of research still needs to be done. It's not approved in the U S yet, but um, it's, it's hopeful that we have a pill that if somebody gets diagnosed and takes it early enough, it can reduce their hospitalization. Hmm. So a lot of really good developments, a lot of good developments in my opinion on quarantines mm -hmm. and the ability for schools to make some more independent decisions than we've been able to make uh, as well. It's, it, I think there are some good policies that are coming out that give us some freedom to say, hey, we would actually prefer keep the kids in seats who are, let, who are, you know, don't seem to have COVID and we'll test them. I think one of the big things, a big change maker in the U.S. would be if we could get cheaper tests. But so I think, you know, just in closing, it, it does look like COVID is it's sort of what we predicted, like it's going to be a long haul and it's going to impact multiple different aspects of life. And one of the things that we've been saying to our families and that we continue to say is this is a season for you to stand in faith and teach your kids how to walk through difficulty. You mm -hmm. you do have to. There are tangible challenges, tangible problems that impact mm -hmm. our kids every day with this thing, limitations, restrictions, um, and, and even in, in more extreme cases, loss of people they love. And mm -hmm. that is a true statement. I think our stance has to remain one of perseverance and one mm -hmm. of endurance. It's, it's, yep. we are in a marathon and not a sprint. And so that means that we, we have to be ready for all the different things that might come because of this. And there's a lot that's out of our control. A lot of policies that are made that we mm -hmm. just don't get to influence or impact. And we, we have to be good citizens and we have to be people who operate under the law. And so, so my real, uh, you know, my admonition just continues to families to be to, be a, you know, position yourself in a posture of hope and faith. And this is really, it is through the light and momentary afflictions we suffer that mm -hmm. we, we build, um, 
you know, the, the Bible talks about building an eternal weight of, of glory through those things. And even here on earth, you're building character inside your kids. And so watch, watch how you talk. Mm-hmm. Watch how you walk through it, because this is um, make sure you don't go <laughs> selfishly panicked by please prison families do not uh, fight people over turkeys in the store. Um, <laughs> that would be very sad to me if I saw one of you on the news doing that. Uh, but we've got to be people who who can adapt and can can grow inside of these seasons. I, I find that sometimes it's in these difficult times that you have that really good stuff is developed. And so I, I really hope that each of our families and all of our kids can say that about themselves. Um, Cause we're in this for the, whether you like it or not, we're in it for the long haul yeah. and it's going to impact different areas of life. And so position yourself, get your posture ready and to be strong and to be full of, of hope and faith. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Yep, and- thanks for having us. Thanks, Misty. Thanks, Jason. This podcast is a production of Prism North America. You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you access quality podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To learn more about Prism, visit us at our website, www.prismnorthamerica.org.